right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Lang Up Podcast. Sally here. We have a great episode for you today with Chad Mum and Paul Martin from the Netflix PGA. I don't want to say PGA Tour Netflix series. We get into how it's just not not just PGA Tour. I struggled to come up with a title for this episode. We get into both their backgrounds. They explain how this project came along and uh, basically through every question I had at them in terms of uh, the upcoming Netflix series, which I know we've heard a lot about and talked a lot about and excited to see. So before we do get going, a question I struggle to answer myself is why do golfers usually play a blade putter? Is it the way it feels or looks? It might just be they see pros on TV playing one, think maybe, hey, I should be playing that same one too. Truth is you sacrifice a lot of forgiveness to play a blade. That is until the new TriHot 5K from Odyssey came along and built a blade unlike anything other. The TriHot 5K is engineered to dramatically increase forgiveness, something called MOI at 5,000 MOI. Again, that's where the 5K comes from. Uh, the TriHot 5K, it's the kind of forgiveness you'd expect out of a mallet, but delivered in a blade. The TriHot 5K comes in classic blade shapes and slightly models like the double wide and triple wide, and each one comes with the legendary white hot insert. The TriHot 5K is truly a blade unlike any other. See the TriHot lineup from the number one putter on tour at odysseygolf.com. Without any further delay, let's throw it to Paul and Chad. Let's start with some backgrounds for listeners. Chad, why don't we start with you? I know you're the, you're the golf guy, Paul, maybe not the biggest golf background, but I'm very curious to cover that ground. But Chad, let's start with you. I mean, how far back do you want to go, Chris? Like, well, I mean, people want to know who's if you know who's making the series if you're a golf fan, which it'll it'll stick out from the first 5 minutes of an episode if you're not a, if uh, you know it's not being run by golf fans. But I know that's not the case. So tell us that story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I started playing golf in uh, in a small town actually not too far from Baghdad on the panhandle of Florida, uh, Niceville. And yeah, I started playing when I was 6, played a ton of junior golf, played high school golf in Georgia. Learned that wasn't going to be a way to make a living when I played in the high school state championships against Brian Harmon and like played best round of my life and lost by like 10 strokes. You know, it was like not even close after one round, by the way, this is like, yeah, there's no, there was no chance, but yeah, I played golf my whole life, moved to New York. So I lived in New York city. So, you know, would take the uh, subway with my golf bag on my back out to Penn station and, and take that sojourn out to Beth page and spend a whole Saturday out there. And then, you know, ride back on the train back into the city. So I'm a golf guy, you could say, but my, my background is, you know, I, I've been a part of Vox media since we started the company. I started our studio almost seven years ago now. So I live in LA. Uh, we produce a ton of nonfiction programming, television shows, things like that. And have been working on this one for, a little over three years and we are here at the farmers and it's like our third shoot day so it is like a dream come true to finally see it out there in the world and here we are talking to you i don't know what about you paul would you want my golf background or my just the whole story why are you here why are you talking to us today i mean listen i'm a, i think first and foremost i'm a massive sports fan i love sport i love i'm obsessed with sports and, and sports at the elite level and I, you know, I used to play all sports as a kid, mainly football, soccer, cricket, which is, which is why I like to say I'm a bad golfer, because if you think of cricket, a lot of it is like, I was, I was really good at cover drives, which means you kind of open up your body, so it means I've just got a massive slice when I golf, which I cannot get rid of. 
doesn't matter what anyone tells me, doesn't matter how many YouTube videos I watch, I just cannot get rid of it. And so I just, clubs went in the bin about 20 years ago, couldn't even look at them for 20 years and, and, until this show came along. And it's been great because it's sort of, I used to watch a lot of golf over the years and, and I, I'm not joking when I say that, I used to love Nick Fowler, Jim used to love Nick Fowler, you know, Greg Norman, you know, watch the Ryder Cup, you know, all the time. And, and, and I was really, you know, I was thinking about it the other day and, and I, I did used to watch a lot of golf and then went for a period, long period where I didn't. And what's been great about this show is just to be able to sort of re-engage with golf again and get to know, you know, the Brooks Kopkers, the Colin Morikawa's, you know, the Justin Thomases, all that kind of stuff. And, and realise that, you know, that actually golf's a little bit sexier, a little bit cooler and a little bit more interesting than perhaps it was 20 years ago. So, so it's been great and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Loving being here. Been to a couple of tournaments kind of previous. And it's just been, you know, for me, it's just a dream to, to kind of sit and watch these guys. And I don't know why it's a surprise, but it's a surprise how good professional golfers are at golf. You know, <laughs> they're so good. TV doesn't do them justice. No, every, I've done this, I do this for a living. I go to a tournament, I come home and I'm like, guys, I don't know how to say this, but like my takeaway is these guys are really freaking good. Like, I wish I had a more creative way to say that, but it's very real. But so, so tell us, you know, you know, for the listeners, you know, we've obviously been huge fans of Drive to Survive and have gotten into F1 in large part, thanks to that series. So tell listeners kind of your experience with that, what it was like, you know, what that series is, if people, you know, somehow don't know what it is to this point and how that vision kind of matches up well with golf. You know, that, that show had a, a sort of a, a long but kind of short history. Myself and, and my business partner is a guy called James Gay Reese. And back in the day, he made a film called Senna about that. And Senna, which was sort of the seminal sports doc that kind of kick-started really, you know, I think without Senna, there'd be no ESPN 30 for 30s. It sort of just gave rise to, to that, that as a genre, really. And we were... So we had a little background in kind of Formula One, but we weren't particularly active in it. We had a chance meeting with someone at Red Bull. Red Bull were like, look, we really want to do a season with Red Bull, but we can't get it past Bernie Eccleston. Would you guys kind of try and help us? And we were like, sure. And it was just at the point that Bernie was exiting and Liberty Media came in. And then we met, went in and met those guys and they were like, look, Frankly, our audience is getting old and smaller every year, and we need to get this sport on a platform. And they didn't really have any idea what the show was. They just knew that they needed to somehow find a way to get this sport in front of a newer, younger, sexier audience. So they ended up doing a deal with Netflix. We had a relationship with Netflix and, and with Formula One. They brought us in to produce it. And... We didn't really, you know, we didn't really have a, an idea of what the show was was really going to be until we were in the thick of it and we were kind of making it. And the more time you spend in a Formula One paddock, you realise that there, there's the racing that goes on on the track. And then in the paddock and in the team hospitalities and in the garages, there's a whole soap opera going on. You know, there's a whole soap opera of Toto Wolf and Christian Horner and Cyril Bitbull and, and these guys, and they're all posturing and maneuvering and trying to stab each other in the back and trying to poach drivers and, and you know, and bringing in drivers and getting rid of drivers. And it was just like, you know, so it became, we were suddenly like, there's Game of Thrones for race cars here. 
Right, there really is. And, you know, and, and that's kind of how the show evolved, you know, because we knew that we couldn't make a show about who won every race because that just becomes a highlight reel and everyone knows about it. And so we had to do something kind of different and point the cameras somewhere else. And, and the sort of the, the format of that show really kind of evolved out of just being on the ground and being in that world. And I think this show will be the same. You know, we, we're at the point where, you know, everyone's kind of used drive to survive as a, as a way in. And, and when we've spoken to the players, it's been, a really, it's been a really good reference point to say, our end goal is to do drive to survive for golf. But that doesn't mean that we're going to do everything that we do on Formula One and just drop it into, you know, onto a golf course because they're different athletes. It's a different game. You know, it's a completely different sets of rules and, and, and all that stuff. So, honestly, we're here figuring out the show. You know, that's, that's the beauty of these things. You know, you, you trust that in elite sport, there's enough drama, there's enough kind of emotion, there's enough stakes in it anyway, that if you spend enough time in there and you ask the right questions and you're in the right areas, the show will kind of emerge. And I think that's... That's the great thing about doing these shows. There's no, uh, we haven't got a format where we're like, right, we need, we need to get JT at this tournament and da, 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 and we need to get Ricky Fowler here and then we need to get Brooks here. It's, it's really like we're here, we're immersed in ourselves in it. We're talking to the players, we're figuring out what it's about and hopefully at the end of it will we'll come a great show. And I think it will. You know, I think all the ingredients are there. Well, Chad, maybe this one's for you. I'm, I'm curious to kind of see, you know, in, in knowing you and in hearing your, your guys' previous interviews, the, the authenticity question of it is almost a, prere- is a prerequisite, right? And I think a lot of people are wary, fans of golf are wary of the PGA Tour that, you know, state-run media kind of have controlled things in the past. And I've heard you on other interviews, uh, particularly the Shotgun Start, saying there's a side of professional golf that you're a story within professional golf that you want to tell. And I'm curious to, to hear from you. What do you think? What do you think fans maybe don't know about professional golf, or what do you think is the story about either this these events or these guys' lives that are particularly interesting to you and you think will make for good content? Yeah, I mean it's a great question, Sully. Like I think you know people, core golf fans, like get and understand that this is like a traveling circus, but I don't know if general sports fans really understand that golf is, you know, really uh, the ultimate meritocracy in sports. There's no guaranteed contracts. There's no guaranteed money. You know, there's, there's players who are paying their own way to be here. They don't make the cut. They're slamming their trunk. They still have to pay for their team. They paid for their travel. Like there's nothing really guaranteed. And as we've gotten into talking to the players, they all have a different path to get out there. You know, it's like Xander's path, so different from JT's path. And in fact, you know, like, it's just striking how, how different, and they all have, it takes like a drive that, you know, that to be that elite level, they all have some version of a chip on their shoulder about that they've created for themselves to like, to drive them to do it, you know, week in and week out. But, you know, you've been out there at these tournaments and you've just seen it. It is a crazy traveling circus and traveling circuses like that. There's, there's like little details that, you know, are surprising to people. And I think people are unexpected. The cameras and the broadcast, you know, they're, we're here at, at Farmers. There's a lot of beautiful scenery. There's whales, paragliders. I don't know if you knew that, but there's paragliders <laughs> out here. But we are more interested in like the, you know, the, the sea of equipment trucks and the crazy characters in there and like what it's, what it's like interacting, you know, before a round, after a round. How do you get yourself ready? How do you go out there and play? And I think that, you know, the fact that like these guys are ultimately still playing for their living week in and week out, it's really interesting. And golf is like one of the few sports where there's only one winner, you know, there's no team, 
it's not a one-on-one -on -one sport like tennis or like other sports and so it just it truly comes down to like you know and these guys all hit it great and so it's like what's going on in between their ears what's going on in their lives how does that affect the success off the golf course on the golf course it's just a fascinating universe and you know i'm a i'm a golf sicko i think is what brendan Forath called me and like so i love this stuff and i've listened to your podcast forever and i you know i consume everything so it's like you know i am a fan and it's awesome that i get to help bring this thing to life but the storytelling you know just even in our like we just got started you know we've been working with the players you know i've been working with them to put it all together for the last year or so but just like really sitting them down for the first time at the hero in uh in, in the bahamas and like you know even my kind of cynicism as a fan they surpassed that in the first second like just how ready and willing they were for something like this where we just said to them like at the end of this we want you to watch it and we want you to feel like you guys got it like that's what my life is like and and it's and so that's our like kind of guiding mission and as paul said like we've got the benefit of you know we can look back like we're shooting the entire season um you know we're gonna we're gonna start editing it later like we can we know what's gonna happen we come back and, and look at how we shape those stories and and really tell the story of this year i think it's going to be super exciting like and, and we've gotten so much already that you know just the fan in me is like oh my god like this is this is better than I even expected, like right out of the gate. And, and, you know, we're just like three days into it, really. This was probably, you know, based on your answer, it's probably way too early in this process to ask a question like this. But, you know, maybe, you know, as, a, as you're putting together a mission statement and whatnot, you have answered it. But who is, who is the target audience for this show? Is it, you know, hardcore golf fans? Is it, you know, casual golf fans, non-existent golf fans? Is it for all three? And how does that decision affect how you guys would shoot or edit the series? I mean, it's definitely not for me. I think like we, we want to make a show. I mean, Netflix is an enormous global platform. So like we have a huge opportunity to just do dramatic and, and fun storytelling that's just entertaining for like, you know, 250 million plus households all over the world. And not all those people like watch golf every week. Um, you know, maybe they watch the Masters, but we want the show to be for everybody, core golf fans to show it to their friends who may never have thought about the sport in this way. Uh, you know, maybe they're football fans or whatever. And like, just say, no, no, like, well, let's watch this together and create new fans for the sport. That's who it's for. I think anybody who's a fan of, of real life, you know, stakes and, and getting inside a professional world like this, that you don't get to see and seeing a side of it that you'd never get to see on a broadcast. Um, you know, that's, that's who it's for. Fans of great stories, really. Yeah. Uh, what would you say, Paul? I, I would agree. I think, you know, I think it's, it's for everyone. And I think that you know, the hardcore golf fan is probably going to be pretty cynical about this endeavor. No, but I no think they'll way. love it. But I think <laughs> they'll love it, you know, because it was the same with Formula One. It's, you know, when we did that, the hardcore Formula One nerds, I mean, still now, they, they give us a hard time over, hey, but you had the wrong tire on this bit. And you're like, guys, it's storytelling. But if you sit them down, they absorb it because it's like we're taking them into a world that they love and that they're passionate about and they're seeing another side of it and they can't help but but feed on that and you know and we don't you know we're not making this show to ignore them we want them to we want the golf you know the avid golf fan to love this show as much as somebody that, that that's never thought of picking up a club or, or watching golf on kind of tv because it'll be about the characters because i think you'll you know the the, the golf fan We'll see another side of these guys for sure. You know, you'll there'll be one or two characters you'll go, wow, I never thought 
he was going to be like that. I never thought he did that. I never, wow, did you see that guy's house? Like, you know, just all things like that. So, you know, it, it is for everyone. And that feels like a massive kind of cop out to say that. But, but you, have to, you have to do that when you make things for Netflix. You know, you can't afford to go like, we're just going to make this for X, Y, and Z. Netflix is such a broad platform that you have to make the broadest show that you can. No, that makes total sense. And I think what you do have working in your favor too is hardcore golf fans are ready for a look into this that is not produced by the PGA Tour. I mean, there's just a sports league is not necessarily, like it's just a totally different ball game for independent content creators versus a sports league creating content. I think, you know, it, you guys do have that work in your favor. And Paul, I, I, so I, I mentioned this, I am a drive to survive convert. I had never watched a Formula One race. I didn't know who Lewis Hamilton was before drive to survive. And now I'm watching every single race. And I have some thoughts kind of as to how those things have merged. And I think some of the questions I have in relation to that are maybe outside the scope of this particular project. But I'm curious in your mind, what made drive to survive work? Why is Formula One? I refuse to believe that Formula One has gone, you know, the ratings have gone parabolic. It's not strictly because of Drive to Survive, but it seems to be a an approach that they have made. And I'm curious, and you're, you know, I'm sure I'll have some follow ups after that. But in your mind, what what makes it work? What has made their recent run happen? Honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, like we made that show the first season. It was the hardest show, hardest thing we've ever done. Like navigating the teams, just finding the right tone everything about that show was was difficult and we we i remember we finished it and we always have this crazy schedule where you know the last race of the season is like the first week of december and our hard lock for for netflix is like the, the friday before christmas whatever that friday is so it's like december is just a complete write-off where you were just and that first year we were in these edit suites and we were doing it we lost all perspective over is this any good do I care if it's any good? No, I just want to get it done. You just want to get it done. I want to... and, and so we made the show. We went away and we came back after Christmas and we were, we were posting it, doing all the kind of the sound and, you know, the mix and all that stuff. And, and then we kind of sat there and watched it. And we're like, okay, this is pretty good, actually. This is all right. But, you know, there's no secret formula. You know, we go into it every year and we're like, can we pull, can we pull this off again? Can we can we make a season that's better? We don't have a we don't have a kind of a tried and tested formula. We sort of, I think it goes back to that thing of of believing that these worlds are interesting enough, and if you find the right stories, you know, and if you find the, the type of stories that people feel like they can relate to, for whatever reason, because you feel like. Pierre Gasly, you know, got fired from his job. I once got fired from my job. Oh, I really like Pierre, I like Pierre Gasly now. It could be as simple as that. But for whatever reason, that show has just resonated with, with people above and beyond what we expected it to, what Formula One expected it to. And I think it partly, it partly goes to, you know, all sport, you know, athletes have just become, you know, manufactured versions of themselves, whether by the league, by sponsors, by teams, whatever that is. And I get that, and I understand why it works like that. But I think for these shows, because we're coming in from a completely different angle, athletes feel like they can be themselves a little bit more. And I think that, and I think that audiences just relate to that. And I think they will on the golf show, because I think they, you know, came into it, and you, you may think Colin Morikawa is this, but I promise you, having you know sat down with him for a couple of hours and spoke to him, you're like, holy shit, I didn't expect Colin Marikow to be 
cool, interesting, you know, all those kind of things. And people are going to love it, you know. And so I think, it, I think it's that. I think it just is it's pulling the veil enough to make them relatable because the way they come across because of all the demands on them, sometimes they, people just see them as robots and they think that they walk up to, you know, they get in that race car and they've got nothing going on in their lives and they've got no problems and, and you know, and oh, well, why didn't you win that race? You know, well, because, you know, I've got this sword hanging over me and I might lose my job and I might, you know, my best friend just died in a race. That a, and for golf, it's the same. You know, you see them walk up to the first tee and you think, you know, they've got no problems in their lives. They've got no, they've got nothing going on. You know, they're not worrying about, you know, they left the iron on in the hotel room or whatever it is, but they do, you know, in the same way as, as we do. And I think if you can show that, people just respond to it. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. And in honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If you're not a new customer, you can experience Super Bowl 56 with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code NLU. You get 56 to 1 odds on either team. You bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code NLU at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older. Indiana, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania. Only new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE. In Y or text Hope in Y four six seven three six nine. Back to the podcast. Well, what is you know the process for for shooting something like Drive to Survive, and and how will that translate to the process for something like this? And I think some of the things you have working in your benefit on Drive to Survive is it's twenty drivers. You know you know exactly who the fixed field are. PGA Tour is a different amount of drivers. Uh, you know different amount of players every week. And I know you have a list of guys that you're you're focusing and honing in on, but. Are you, I heard you mentioned something about this earlier and it doesn't sound like it's the case, but are you following particular players at particular events? Have you sketched out, this is the Justin Thomas episode, or is it going to be following Justin Thomas throughout the course of a year? And how do you marry that up with, well, we followed Justin Thomas at Farmers, but he won blah, blah, blah event. That's, I mean, that is a challenge in golf storytelling for anyone. How are you guys handling that? How does what your, you know, your experience with that show translate to that? I think it definitely won't be, Episode one is the Justin Thomas episode. Episode two is the Brooks episode. I think we want to create this, you know, we're going to create this kind of Marvel superhero universe where, you know, they all kind of exist in this kind of ecosystem. And, and over the course of an episode, you know, Spider-Man will come to the fore or Iron Man will come to the fore, but you can still see Hulk in the background. And who wins the tournament is largely irrelevant to our storytelling. You know, the goal's always going to be the payoff to the storytelling. It's not going to be the main driver. Of, of the storytelling so you know we've, we've got the luxury of of time and of hindsight and if we're not in the right place at the right time we can make it look like we were in the right place at the right time you know and we do a lot of that on formula one everyone's like oh my god i can't believe you were in that garage and you're like well yeah. you know <laughs> Some of the reaction <laughs> yeah yeah we knew a guy we had a friend of a friend that was in the garage so you know it, it you know it these shows are like massive jigsaw puzzles and you sort of have a, you sort of have a vague cloudy picture 
of of what that end picture is going to look like and it's just about over the year just getting enough pieces that you can assemble that picture at the end and what we wanted to do with our cast was really like put those pieces out there where we could take that story and and sort of the full you know paint the full picture of like professional golf so it's you know we have obviously five of the top seven players in the world we've got like superstars we also have like rookies like Mito Pereira and we've got you know, we've got like Harry Higgs and Joel Damon and, you know, and Max Homa and people at like different levels. We've got Ian Poulter and Bubba sort of in a different phase of their career. And like, and we really wanted to be able to paint that full picture of like what it's like out there. You know, Nakajima, like playing Augusta National for the first time, you know, as, a, as the amateur, as one of the amateurs playing in the Masters, like we'll be there for that, you know, and, and that is like a, it's a very different experience for him than it is for like Dustin. You know, it's like a winner, you know, a champion. So, like, it was really important to, to get that cast right so we could be able to, like, pull pieces when we need them, you know, and, and go chase after the stories, you know, knowing that we had this group of guys that are, like, that have opted in, that have said yes, that are a part of the show. And at any point, you know, we can kind of go to and build that relationship where they, they really invite us in. And, you know, and, and some guys, like, as you would imagine, are, like, really leaning in, like, all the way and the curtains wide open. and you know, and other guys, like, we don't have to open it that wide to, to really show more of who they are than you would expect. And I would say just like as a, a you know, as, like we're already further and we've gotten more than I would have expected even at this point. And I, I'm super confident that we're going to have, you know, all of what we need from, from the guys up there. Did it take much convincing at, you know, either the PGA tour level or honestly, I wouldn't, it wasn't in my realm of even possibility that we'd be seeing Augusta national, the old core, all the, all the majors involved in this. Cause it's not a, that means it's not a PGA tour show. It is a story about a year in professional golf. So how, what was the convincing process like for that? I mean, what do do you get the sense that, you know, having this blueprint like the drive to survive to put in front of somebody helps you get in the door and move those conversations along? No question. That was extremely helpful. Um, you know, I think the history of the show, you know, it, it came about three years ago um, in January in 2019. Uh, and I had a meeting with some of the tour execs actually it was at a golf course, which was fitting. And we talked about this idea and I'd see them every year and sort of pitch them on doing something like this. And at the time, our comp was like hard knocks, you know, some really authentic, real storytelling and just kept saying like how important it was for the NFL to like let people see that like relatively unfiltered and that, that golf, you know, probably more than any other sport, like could benefit from that kind of, especially as this new class of player came in and, you know, Tiger, we weren't sure if he was going to play again, obviously, you know, we know what happened in 2019, but they, it was just always like never the right time. And then when Jay became commissioner, kind of heard that like, maybe there were, you know, things were changing over there a little bit. They were going to open up the doors a little bit. So uh, we played golf and for the first tee time off, I, brought it up on the first tee and said, maybe it's time to do it. And by the time we finished 18 holes, we had sketched out like what would basically become where we are now, which was what would it take to give us the ability to tell the story in a real way without that editorial control to get the kind of trust from the tour to just like be able to like let someone else do that and how, why, how important that was to do it that way and, and what it meant. Um, and so it started with that. And, and I mean, honestly, to the credit, the tour, like they, within like two months, they were in like fully in, like we were ready to go. And then, and then we had to get players because obviously they can't make players do anything. So I went to the masters in 2019, great masters to go to. Jeez, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't there Sunday, but I did like cry 
watching it at home with my like then three-year-old daughter. Uh, and I still cry when I watch the replay on YouTube. You know, we just, I sat under the tree, like basically, and would like, I had a list of agents and I had pictures of them and I would just go up to people and be like, I think that you're, you know, Jake Dancy or uh, Lance Young or, you know, Sam McNaughton. And, and, you know, we started having these conversations. The tour was great at just sort of making intros, but like they weren't involved in the player conversation. They were not guiding those. They were not saying to players, you should do this. You shouldn't do this. They just, they, they, they got out of the way and let us build those relationships. And, and from the beginning, you know, did not insert themselves in that process really in any way. And so, and this was like very early on, we hadn't set it up at Netflix yet. It was just building that consensus. Um, so Ricky, we had a great meeting with, you know, Sam and, and Ricky's team at Wasserman and, and Ricky was the first player on board. And then quickly after that, Justin Thomas uh, came aboard and, and then Cameron Champ and Tony Finau. So that was kind of our core crew. And then, you know, we started putting all of it together and, and then COVID happened. So, you know, it didn't make sense to like launch the show then. Um, and we still were, so we kind of held off on pitching it wide and then, uh, and then, you know, this year, last year, I guess, came around and we took it to Netflix and Drive to Survive was doing really well. And, you know, I hadn't met Paul and James yet, but, you know, Netflix really started to take interest and it started to move along a lot faster at Netflix. And I give uh, one of the execs there, uh, Dan Stefano, a lot of credit for really being the champion internally. He's a huge golf fan. He, uh, you know, and, and all of a sudden that started picking up the pace. And, and so, you know, for Netflix, it's like, we're going to do this. Like, we're going to do the ultimate version. So... Um, so they said, look, if you can get, you know, the majors to sign up, sign up, then, you know, I think we're, this is going to happen. So then we did <laughs> like, and honestly, it was, it was surreal to like be on a zoom call with like people from Augusta national. That was just like crazy. And it was like, I, you know, I'm like, oh my God, they're from Augusta national and we're talking on zoom and I'm like in LA and here we go. But to their credit, like we met individually with all the majors and the, the you know, the folks from all the majors and. Augusta was like the first to say yes. They got it like right out of the gate and said like, yeah, we get it. We understand it. You know, they had, they had already met like box to box and Paul and, and Paul had, and James had come aboard at that point, you know, once we had started to get more serious at Netflix, that started to pick up steam. We, we had a meeting and, and, and joined forces on it. And then, you know, and once Augusta said like, Hey, we're, we're in for this, the ball was started rolling a lot faster and, you know, but all of them were, I mean, there was no holdout. I mean, the, I give a lot of credit to PGA of America, to USGA, to the RNA. Like nobody had to be convinced that this was a good idea for the game. And I mean, honestly, like I, I know it's like the cynical, like I feel like I get it, but it's like the tour was willing to like make it not a tour thing. And they saw that too. And they, I think that said a lot, kind of spoke volumes without us even having to pitch it. That like, no, 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 this is golf. Like this is a year in golf and we're going to do what's best for the show not necessarily what's best for the tour, because we know that in success, if we do it right, we tell the right kind of story, it's going to be great for everybody. And so, and so they got that like from, from the jump. And so, yeah. And so once, the, and then obviously the majors came on board and, you know, we just, we got so lucky with the draw being like St. Andrews for, for the Open championship and, you know, Colin and the cast, like as a defending champ, champion golfer of the year. And it's like sort of surreal even thinking about, it. and then even just like, you know, country club at Brookline, like the Francis Wimette story. I mean, there's so much that people don't know that story, you know, and it's like one of the best sports stories of all time. And Southern Hills is going to be epic. Like they just, you know, the redesign makes that course is going to be a beast and, yeah, we got a great year ahead of us. So, so yeah, anyway, so once the majors came on board, you know, that thing picked up the pace and, and, you know, here we are like a few months later, like on site, you know, with the cameras out, we got the movie cameras out here at Torrey Pines. 
Well, Paul, I think, you know, a couple couple questions within this. One thing is I think that makes Drive to Survive great is the sound. Like it is the sound is very immersive. It is you feel like, you know, it's, you know, sound of it's, you know, transitions you use just race cars are exciting. That that makes it pretty easy to do. Golf doesn't have the same sounds, you know, to, to help to help with that. But I'm curious, do you, will you have on-course audio access? Will you be able to mic players up at all during the weeks of tournaments? And and what does the production look like for a week of a tournament? Is it Monday to Sunday? How many cameras? How many crew? Does that vary on tournaments? Are you going to be at all of them? What, what does that look like? I think, it, you know, in terms of crew size, it's going to vary at tournaments. You know, it will depend on you know, characters and, and stories and, and all that stuff, as it doesn't drive to survive. You know, we, people are always amazed at how few kind of crew we, we send to some of those races, you know, and it will, it'll be the same here. Some will, will have a big crew of, you know, 14, 15 people. Some it will be kind of three or four, you know, this, you can, you can afford to do it. You know, we get a lot of, we get a lot of access to, to what's being shot on the course. You know, the golf is, is pretty well covered. And it's just about us kind of adding to, to the experience. And I think, you know, I think sound will be an important part of this show as well. Again, it just goes back to that authenticity. It's about finding those authentic sounds and moments that lend themselves to kind of being dramatic. You know, it's not about being constantly over dramatic and, and playing with sound effects and stuff like that. But when it warrants it, you know, you want to kind of go big. When the drama can, can take it, you want to go big with that kind of stuff. In terms of getting mics on players and, and caddies and stuff, you know, we've already had mics on caddies here. So, you know, we're off to a great start. It's super interesting. You know, we're always sort of driven by when people sort of say, well, you'll never be able to do that. Or there's no way you're going to get people to do that. That's sort of, that's what sort of drives us on. Where we're like, okay, okay. And then, you know, six months later, they're like, holy shit, I can't believe you got those guys to do that and wear those mics there or do that. You know, because that's, you know, I think, I think you go into it and the players know what they're coming into because there's that reference of drive to survive and they know, they know that they've, they've got to pull the curtain back a little bit. Otherwise, the show's not going to work and we're not going to force anyone to do that. We're not in a position to force anyone to do that as we're not on drive to survive. You know, we've never... You know, we would never force Christian and Cyril to, to needle each other and Lawrence Stroll to get upset about a rear wing in a car park. You know, it, it happens, you know, it, it, it happens. And, and it will be the same here. It's like, if they let us in a little bit, which they are, the show's going to be great. Well, I was going to say, you just, you just uh, made my job easier. I'll just give you a bunch of things that I don't think you'll be able to do. One, get the guys <laughs> to talk shit about each other. That, if you can get... <laughs> that i bet you can't do that here take that because <laughs> that's again another thing that like the the buy-in amongst formula one for this this i don't want to say overly dramatic presentation but they understand the drama of it they put the two team principals next to each other in a press conference right and that is that is not the way golf operates and i guess that this question maybe is more for chad and i think my hesitation in this is like i think the tour in a way sees this as a great way to bring in new fans and i completely agree I think there's a lot of things that they do regarding the presentation of their product that should and need to change if you want to retain those fans. When I flipped on my first Formula One race, I sat strapped to that chair without commercial interruption and had announcers that were taking me through all the considerations of everything going on. And it was a great experience. And I don't consider, this is well documented, I don't consider the professional golf viewing experience to be that great. 
do you get the sense that this, you know, this is a, you know, something the tour is wants to be a part of and doing because they have this grand plan to evolve the way their product is presented? Is that question outside of the scale of this project? I just am curious your thoughts on that. I wish I had an answer. I, I don't. I mean, it's not inside the scope of our conversations really at all. I think that they saw what Drive to Survive did for just the sport in general, like in just in terms of driving interest and deepening deepening the connection that fans, the core fans had with the, with the drivers, in our case, the players, and also like expanding that audience and getting people who've never watched a race, maybe like yourself, to wake up super early and watch, you know, to, and watch it. And I think like, if we do our jobs right, people are going to be like, is Abe answer playing this week? Like, oh, he's on TV. It's Thursday afternoon. Like, oh, like, where is he? Where can I watch that? Like, I, cause he's just so cool. And like that guy, I just connect with him. Like he loves tequila and he has safari animals on his house. And it's just, you know, like, and he's just cool. And I think that like we, that's the real opportunity. And, but yeah, I mean, the, that other question about how golf is presented on TV, I mean, it's, you know, it's like not in the scope of our, you know, that's not our real responsibility. And, and I think, you know, what we want to do is show golf in a way that you've never seen it before. Um, and, and I think we have the benefit. Uh, we don't have to cover it live. You know, we don't have to have something to say about every single thing that happens, uh, you know, on the course. And we were just like walking around the production area, actually, if you, you know, right before this uh, interview and like, it's mind boggling. Like it's terrifying. Like I would, I would, you know, I walked into that truck and I was like almost had a heart attack, you know, and, but we have the benefit of being able to like look at stories and, and, and go in the other direction, you know, and if all the cameras are pointing in one way, we want to sort of point somewhere else and we want to show you stuff that, that you're not going to see on the broadcast. And, you know, hopefully maybe that stuff, you know, people love it and, and it, and it, and they reevaluate sort of how they want to, you know, retain that audience. But, you know, at the end of the day, like sports are exciting and they're dramatic and people care because the athletes care and, and it's like real and competition is just, is everything. Um, and I think that like, you know, we want to get people hooked on that, you know, we want to get people hooked on that energy. And I still think, I mean, I'm telling you, you could show that chip, that Tiger's chip in uh, at the masters, like when he made that chip on 16, I, I'm telling you, I could walk up to anybody on the street and show them that for the first time. And they're going to have a smile on their face. It's just like sports are electric in that way. And I think if we can, if we can sort of peel back the curtain on a side of it, that you never understood or expected in a world of golf that has so much predisposed like notions of what it's like, you know, and especially if you're not a golf fan, like you think of professional golf, you know, your mind goes to like, Oh, it's a, it's a rich person's sport. It's, you know, the Malcolm Gladwell article about, you know, Los Angeles country club. It's like, you know, and, and like these guys don't have those backgrounds, you know, like they, they come from like, they've worked so hard to get here. And they, and we think that like, if we can sort of subvert people's expectations about professional golf, in the first like five minutes, that was the first thing that we talked about. We sat down for dinner in LA when this, this idea about teaming up and working together came up and it was like, you know, we have a chance to, in the first five minutes of the show, completely subvert your expectations. If you're coming in, you're sampling it because you like, you know, it's from the people who make drive to survive and you've heard about it. You may, you know, you may like Brooks Koepka, you may be a shit DJ's life. Or you want to see it. You know, we got five minutes to get you hooked. You know, we will. And it's because we're going to be able to show golf in a way that's never been showed before. And, you know, we take that responsibility. Like, pretty damn seriously yeah and i think i i think if we're successful with this show i think it will be it will be quite liberating for how the the, the sport is broadcast as it was with formula one you know formula one until drive to survive would never have thought about you know miking up gunter on the pit wall and having him as their pit having him as their pit wall. it was always like 
well, let's just go to Horner or Toto. And, and I get that. I, I completely understand why they did that. And I think what Drive to Survive did, you know, for, for the guys, you know, that, that do the broadcast there, it just liberated them and gave them more options where they're like, okay, the audience will engage with a Gunter or they will engage with an Esteban Ocon. Okay, it's okay now for us to feature them a little bit more. And I, and I think that, you know, if we're successful, hopefully that, you know, that will resonate with, with you know, the, the broadcasters who do a great job, you know, they're doing a different job to us, you know. The, our storytelling is completely different, but I think it will hopefully liberate them to then go, it's okay to, you know, to focus on the guy who's not going to make the cut, you know. But, enough of our audience want to see that and they're interested in that it doesn't have to be the the lead group on a friday or whatever it is so you know i think in hopefully in success you know everyone will will figure out that it's okay to you know to deviate from from those kind of lines you know and, and take more risks that's one thing about Formula One and Drive to Survive is it makes you care who finishes in fifth or sixth. You know, that's something yeah. that I think I find missing in golf or making the cut even. It's not something that's heavily emphasized as much by the television and things like that. Yet, if you have a chance to follow somebody grinding for the cut, like that's a that's a very real thing. I've had, yeah. you know, friends that I'm following out in events, watching them try to make the cut from two off the cut line is about as intense as you'll get watching golf. Yet you'd never see any of that stuff on television. So I, I do think it's right. Will you have access to, to tour footage either like from current events or past events as a part of any of your storytelling? Yeah, everything. Great. All their footage, broadcast calls, all that radio, everything. So a lot of names on there that, you know, we expected to see some that we definitely didn't expect to see a good mix. Um, some people though, that we maybe would have hoped to have heard from that we don't see on the list. I'm just curious if it's, you know, an overarching reason why some guys like maybe Rory aren't involved, Phil Mickelson, Bryson, Tiger Woods, were you finding players that had content deals in place to be a little bit prohibitive to getting them involved or people, you know, did you come in across some guys that were not interested in being involved? I'm wondering if you could speak to that process. Yeah, I mean, I think most of the guys understood what we were trying to do. It's our first year, so I get it. Like, we still have to prove it. And, you know, we we can talk a lot about how great the show is going to be and how great it's going to be for them and what it's going to do for the game and, and in terms of exposure. Um, but, you know, the best evidence is going to be the show itself. And so, you know, there were some guys that we would love to get and they would always have a seat in the show if they want it. You know, there's nobody that we wouldn't say yes to. Um, and we've had a lot of great conversations with some of the players that you've named and, and there's definitely real interest. And we keep telling them that the door is always open so they can they can come aboard at any point and, and we can, you know, make room for them and, and build the show. But it's not my business why, you know, they can't do it or can. You know, we, um, we presented them with what it would look like if they did participate and walked them through you know, what that access is. And, and it's, you know, it's different from like golf media, you know, like we're, we're telling a different kind of story, you know, this is going to come out a, a long time after things happen and we'll have the benefit of hindsight and, and you can see arcs, right? Like our story has to be relevant. You know, the story of this tournament, uh, the farmers insurance open in 2022, like has to be interesting and relevant a year from now, you know, when this thing comes out, you know, or whenever we release it. And so the, the stories just by design have to be character driven and they have to show arcs and people can have bad days because that means we get to see them on good days and you get, you know, you storytelling, you have to have those kind of ups and downs. And so, you know, we walked everyone through that and we talked about, you know, it's not a reality show. We're not showing up at your front door the day you sign the agreement and walk in and film you going to the grocery store. Like, 
you know, you, we want you to invite us in. And, and like the people who lean into it the most are the ones who are going to get the most out of it. And, and that's been basically how we've approached everybody. And, and as you can see, like the list of guys that have said yes, uh, it's an amazing group. And, you know, we feel like we can do, you know, we can really show this world in an authentic way with the guys that we have and the guys that, you know, you named on that list who aren't on it. Like the door is always open. They can, they can come in at any point and we'd love to have them. Yeah, I mean, first season of Drive to Survive didn't have two of the, the biggest teams on that one. But, Paul, this question is for you. I, I don't know, you know, exactly how well, much this relates to, you know, Drive to Survive or Formula One. But, you know, what did you feel watching the final Formula One race of the year? A lot of – there was some criticism out there, even amongst golfers, if you ask Roy McElroy, where he, you know, theorized that the entertainment value maybe had steered too far in terms of, you know, shoehorning in a, a final racing lap. And I know if, if you don't follow Formula One, you may not be able to follow this, but the result, a lot of people had some issues with how the championship was decided. And it seemed like that may have been the most entertainment, but may, may, most entertaining, but maybe not the most fair way to do it. Do you, what was your reaction to watching that final race? I was extraordinary. You know, it, it was, it was hard to know at the time. It was hard to know what to think honestly it was so i wasn't in abu Dhabi. i was at home watching it i thought lewis had done it i thought it was all over and then i suddenly heard my 12 year old son scream from kind of upstairs and ran to the tv and max was in front and i was like what the hell just what the hell? and then you know the guys at the race my phone's blowing up like oh my god like and so it was just i think i think all of us were just in shock genuinely i think you know Everyone involved in it was just like, I don't know what happened. I don't know. I don't listen. I, we've been making that show for four years. I still don't know what the rules are of that sport. <laughs> so I didn't know whether it was in the rules, whether it was against the rules, whatever. It's not going to get any easier with golf, trust me. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was hard to know what to think. I understand why Lewis and Mercedes felt hard done by. I equally, you know, I think that Max and, and, and Red Bull did nothing wrong. You know that they and, and they were they were given the kind of the victory. It, it's it's a damn hard episode to cut. I can yeah, tell you that. We still we're still wrestling with that episode right now. You know it's extraordinary, and I think it will, from a selfish point of view, I think it sets up Drive to Survive season five for an amazing season because it's not going to go away because Toto feels as you know as wronged now as he did then rightly or wrongly and you know and, and it will just ramp up christian and red bull even more so from from the producer in me is like great i just want to categorically say we had nothing to do with it <laughs> whatsoever you know i think on the front page of an english newspaper it was like netflix to blame for and you're like guys if only we had that much like so yeah i was at home in my house with my family nothing to do with us whatsoever that's an exclusive. We've never spoken about that before. And we've got yeah, categorically nothing to do with us. Well, I don't know if the, the, the experience on site so far this week changes this answer or, you know, whatnot, but maybe you can view it from what you've seen so far or, or just coming into it. What do you view your biggest, biggest challenges being of, of creating a series like this? I think it's just, you know, it's just pretty quickly we're going to have to start to drill down on the on, story you know really and that's the you know and, and it's there and, and we've got a lot of options to kind of play with and, and you know, there's a lot of tournaments to come but you know that it starts to creep up on you pretty quickly where you sort of have to start to make 
you know, tough decisions about story and, you know, how we're landing them and, and all that stuff. So that, that's going to be the biggest challenge is, you know, it's, it's a big field of, you know, of characters. And my experience of doing these shows is that suddenly you think you've got all the time in the world and then suddenly you realise you're running out of time. And, you know, and, and so you need to you need to get ahead of it pretty quickly. And I think, you know, we've got a couple of events where we're still feeling our way and letting the players get used to us. We're getting used to kind of moving around. But pretty quickly, we're going to have to, you know, really take it to the next level and, and really start landing on character and story and, you know, and really getting that access that, that, that we need. Paul, what are some of the similarities and differences between Formula One drivers you've worked for and, and the PGA Tour athletes you've worked with so far? They're all elite athletes. Just There's a reason that they're at the top of what they do. I, can't, I don't know what it is, but it just is, whether it's a, a focus or a dedication to what they do or just that ability to shut everything else in their life off and really hone in on that one thing that they're really, really good at. You know, and I think that's that's really the biggest similarity is like, you know, it's that thing we said, you know, guess what? Formula One drivers are really good at driving race cars. Golfers are really good at golf. And you don't, you know, you don't realize how big that gap is. And that gap is so big because at a certain point in their life, pretty much all of them said, that's what I want to do with my life. And everything else is going to go out the window. You know, and I think that that's what, as someone that played a lot of sport, you know, I sort of realised that, oh, I like a bit of tennis, I like a bit of cricket, I'm, you know, I love football, I play a bit of rugby, you know, that was never going to help me. And, you know, you have to, you got to pick one. And they all pretty much, you know, all about the same age, you know, 11 or 12, which is extraordinary to me. You know, I'm 45 and I still don't know what I want to do with my life. So being 11 years old, going this is the one thing that I want to do in my life, you know? And, and I would say that 99% of all athletes I met have that mindset and make that switch. I'd say you're doing something, something pretty cool at age 45 in your life. I, I guess I, I had a theory, a theoretical question that I was going to try to game out with you guys, but I think maybe we can, we can go back to your, uh, your drive to survive experience on this one. If you have a piece of content, an area of content, a question, a clip or something that you know is going to make someone mad, be it an agent, a player, you know, maybe it's key to your story and that's why you would want to include it, but you know it's going to make someone mad. How do, you, how do you go about that? Do you warn, you know, a player or agent or a racer or agent, you know, with Drive to Survive to say, so just so you know, this is going to come out so they're prepared for it. Do you post it and deal with it later? I, I, I constantly battle that with our show sometimes as well, so I'm curious your approach to that. We, the honest answer is we, we, we'll, we'll talk it through. If it's something that we really know, like, this is going to be super sensitive to them, I think you have a responsibility as a, as a producer. If you're, going to, you know, if you're going to be bold enough to make those choices that this absolutely has to be in our show for X, Y, and Z, then I think you have to, you have to kind of man up and, and go and, and look them in the eye and tell them why you've made that decision. You know, and it'll always be story. It's never because, hey, you know, it's a salacious thing that we really want to show you in a terrible light. It's never that. It's all about, well, listen, we think this is really germane to, to your story and the narrative that we're trying to tell you. And you're probably not going to like it, but this is why, this is why it's in there. And I would say that, you know, 90% of the time you get there. You know, you, you get there with them and you make them understand. But I think it's the only way, you know, it's, we're not, 
you know, we're not producers that just kind of take the easy way out and kind of cut and run. If we've made that decision to put something in there and you want to question our decision, let's talk it out because there'll be a valid reason that, that we've done it. Sometimes we do get it wrong. Sometimes we will talk, we'll go through that process and we'll talk and then we'll say, do you know what? Actually, you're right. We're tr we were trying to be a bit too smart or a bit too clever with that. And we'll, we'll, you know, we'll maybe make, you know, kind of adjustments on it. So it's not, uh, we never take it of like, it's in there. There's no, you know, if you feel strongly about it, let's, let's talk it through. Well, I know the golf media world is watching closely to see who the uh, who are the who's, who's playing the journalist role on the golf side, or, or the media role, or whatever you the Will Buxton role, whatever you'd call it. <laughs> is that an audition, Sully? No, no. I, 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 <laughs> listen, I could give you my reasons why I think it probably wouldn't. Uh, I would not be on the top of the tours list for that. But yeah, what's uh, what can we expect there? I mean, you know what? What's so cool about golf? It's an individual sport, like in general across the whole industry. You know, and there's all kinds of different journalist personalities there's a, a bunch of like new media people like yourselves that have really like changed the way that golf is covered in a, in a real way and like introduced a whole new facet of you know journalism to the sport and what you guys do is like super important and there's you know there's younger writers out there doing the same thing and you know like what andy and brendan do on the shotgun start dylan Deshare, you know dan rapaport folks like that you know kvv who was just on the podcast um, you know, and, and then there's like some amazing other characters out there who've been doing this for a long time and have a huge sense of perspective. And, you know, it's like there's some individual nature to golf in general that brings these big individual characters. And we've seen that with like golf coaches, too. You know, we've had a lot of interaction now because this ecosystem, you know, it, it breeds some real unique individuals. And whether that's caddies, you know, who are going to be a huge, huge part of the show that I don't think people expect, like huge part of it you know, in their stories that almost never get told, like the, 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 you know, the, the, even like, you know, on the agent side, like some of those are big characters. And then you've got these journalists or uh, these reporters or these personalities and, and, and the golf coaches. It's just, you know, it's a world of individuals that might not be able to exist in a, in a environment like the NFL or like major league baseball or like formula one. And that's what makes golf kind of fun and special. And you, you know, you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're at that stage at the moment of just, you know, figuring that stuff out. Like, who are the who are those voices that are, that are going to kind of guide us through this world and, and knit it all together in a in a in a way that's kind of interesting? And I think we're open to suggestions. <laughs> it's the honest, <laughs> it's the honest answer. You know, it's like you tell us. You're like, hey, I'd really love to hear this guy's perspective on you know on that. And it's because it doesn't have to be on PGA message. You know, it, it, as long as it's authentic and as long as it's warranted, as long as it can kind of be stood up. No one's saying you have to have this guy, this guy, this guy. It's kind of down to us. Yeah. Well, I think I would say after listening to you guys for about an hour now, I think your biggest challenge is going to be cutting this thing down. Because as soon as you start talking about caddies and agents and all this stuff, I'm like, man, there is, I, I have known this, but there is a big story to tell, right? And so getting this into like digestible episodes that move along is going to be, uh, it's going to be quite a challenge, a good problem and challenge to have, I think, because there's plenty of great content to, to work with. But uh, we really appreciate you guys spending some time with us. Tell us about it. We can't wait to watch it. I know the longer I keep you, the, the, the longer it's going to take for this thing to come out. So we're going to let you go on that. But thanks for spending some time with us and best of luck with the project. Thank thanks you. so much. Thank you. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? 
That is better than most. Better than most! Expect 